Well, I'm glad that you're with us today, both uh, in person and online, with uh, uh, here enjoying the Lord together. Uh, what a joy that is. What a, what a God is so gracious to us. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to tell you here at the beginning, now I got to get, you know, set up here. Uh, hopefully this will work. Uh, is uh, you'll notice that uh, Lingle was supposed to preach today, right? He's supposed to finish up his series on Haggai. An excellent series. I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, but we had something happen this week. On Thursday, one of our staff members found out they had been around somebody that had COVID, that tested positive for it at least. Didn't have symptoms, but tested positive for COVID. And so with an abundance of caution, because they were around some of our other staff, we told all our staff, stay home unless you've uh, been around, uh, if, you haven't, if you've been around this staff person or around staff, you just stay home. So guess what? All our staffs have stayed home except for Matt and me because Matt's been working from home and I was on vacation. And I found out Thursday, you're preaching. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, it, nothing like the last minute. Of course, I've, it's been later before. I remember Lucas one time was going to preach for me and he called me that morning, said, I'm sick. I can't preach. Oh, good. I got a couple hours. I, I can just, you know, I mean, talk about trusting the Lord, right? Uh, Matt just found out, uh, I think this morning or last night, that Josh wasn't feeling well, so he was up. And so he was supposed to be working the back because Alan wasn't going to be here. I was just like, okay, Lord, you're, you got something really special for us this morning because of what you've allowed to occur. And we've, we just wanted to keep everybody safe. It didn't, uh, nothing happened. Uh, uh, it didn't happen before Sunday or during Sunday. It was after that time. So we feel like that we're in good shape here. Uh, but we just thought with an abundance of caution, we don't want to take any chances with anybody. And so I'm up. And uh, so we're going to be looking at a, a favorite passage of mine. It's one that I preached about six years ago uh, in 2 Corinthians 1. And what I found is, is uh, when I preach a passage of scripture uh, and then I preach it again, I can never leave it alone. I just keep looking and, keep, and I keep noticing stuff. And it reminds me of Bible study methods whenever I was uh, under a guy named uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks. And he taught us Bible study methods for so many years at Dallas Seminary. And, uh, and he, he talked about this idea of observation that you can't observe enough. That there is so much depth and so much richness in any passage of scripture that you can dig and the next time you dig, you'll find more. And it's rich. And so I want to encourage you, always don't think that just because we've looked at a text before that you've looked at a text before, you've seen it all. Our first assignment for him was 25 observations out of Acts 1.8. Five could come from the passage, but the other 20 had to come from the verse. And I was like, oh my goodness, can I get 25 observations out of this? And I can start counting the words in the verse and how many verbs are in there and you know, all this different stuff. And you think I've, got every, I've seen everything there is to see, 25. The second assignment was we need 25 more observations out of Acts 1.8. Well, I'd seen everything the first time. How was I going to find anything else? And so I went and I looked again and I, I found 25 more. I mean, I was sweating I, and, and I got 25 more. And then I showed up for class the next week. And guess what the assignment was? 25 more. 
He said over the course of 40 years at that time, and he, I think he ended up teaching that class for 60 years, over the course of 40 years, he, uh, students had seen over 600 unique observations from Acts 1-8. And I thought, you know, if every verse in Scripture has 600 possible observations, we got a lifetime of looking. We see, but we don't observe. And so what we want to do today is we want to see more than what we've seen before in this text. And I've, I, I had a, a blast the last you know, couple of days looking again at this passage and reading over it and, and thinking through it. And so I want us to think about it together today. Um, one of the things that you'll notice if you, and, and let's just read it together. It's in Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter one, verses three through uh, 11 will be the passage that we're looking at. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through 11. And uh, we'll read first part of it right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. One of the things that you'll notice when you look at a passage of scripture is if a word is repeated a lot, that's an important word. What word was repeated a lot in this passage? The word comfort. Nine times in the passage, in these five verses that I just read, is the word comfort. And so you can say, well, the main idea of this, this section is comfort. Now, we've got to think through what that means and how that applies to us. What does comfort mean? Does it mean comfortable? That God wants us to be comfortable. Well, that might be a, something that we in a first world economy might think. What about a person in a third world economy? Is comfortable what would express their life? Is that what God wants us to be where we're just got our, we're sitting on a recliner with our feet up and we're comfortable? No, that's not what he has in mind here. Is it comfy? I mean, what is the idea of comfort? Is it just to make us feel better? When we look at scripture or we look at the word itself, the word it's the, and I'm going to give you the Greek word here. I don't always give you the Greek word because I don't want you to feel like, oh, I can't understand the Bible. No, I, in fact, today you can go online and a Blue Line Bible or other places and you can find what the Greek word is and find out what the possible definitions are. I'd encourage you to do that at times because sometimes it makes a difference. This time it does make a difference. The word is parakalesis. The verb form parakaleo. It's a word that simply means to lift another's spirits. 
To lift another's spirits, it's also a word that Jesus uses in John 14 and in John 16. John 14, 16 and John 16, 7. When he says, when I go, I've got to go away because when I go, I'm going to send you another parakaleo, another And the word another in that passage, another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus is a parakaleo, and I'm going to send you a parakaleo, another helper, sometimes it's translated. Another comforter is another way that it's translated. The Holy Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God is called parakaleo, comforter. Well, that's interesting because in our passage, God is called that very thing. He's the God in verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all parakaleo, all comfort. The one who lifts up our spirits, the one that encourages us, the one that builds us up, the one that lifts us up when we're down, when we need to be lifted up. God is our parakaleo. Now, why is that important? Well, we're in a day and age where comfort is an important issue, right? It's something that we all need. Now, I think it's an unusual time in history because usually you have one person that is in need of comfort and a whole lot of people that are comforted that can reach out and help this one that's in need of comfort. But guess what? We're in an unprecedented time where people need comfort and everybody around them also needs comfort. I mean, think about it. Mental challenges, mental illnesses, mental uh, 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 challenges are basically up 30%. Some would think that we are all dealing with different challenges, stresses. We're dealing with depression in some cases frustration at the very least. I mean, we're, this unprecedented time, I was, I, I, Lingle and I were talking about it one day and, and he mentioned something that uh, I thought he was going to use in a message, but since he didn't, well, you know, fair game, right? Uh, so I can use it. Uh, but, but he had five different things that had happened in the last hundred years that have happened in the top last five months of this year or the first five or or around the first five months of this year you had in the last hundred years in 1918 they keep referring back a hundred over a hundred years ago this pandemic right and it happened in a hundred year period one pandemic well you had the h1n1 you had some other stuff but one really uh significant pandemic the uh, spanish flu 1929 you had the economic collapse and, 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 in, and now in uh, April, I think of this year, we had uh, the government really starting to print money and do things because the concern of economic collapse. We had uh, uh, in 1999 impeachment of, president, of a president, Clinton. The beginning of this year, impeachment of Trump. We had, um, I mean, you think about this year and you start thinking about these significant major events and you realize we have faced, uh, uh, and then the other one is racial unrest. 
with George Floyd in a beginning in May. So in February, impeachment. March, pandemic. April, economic crisis. May, racial unrest. All in the same year. No wonder we're stressed. No one, I mean, there's any one of those by itself would be significant. All together in the same year, we are a nation in need of comfort. And we want other people to comfort us when in reality some of us are going to have to learn how to lead ourselves through the comfort that God has for us so that we can minister to those who don't know how to do that. I mean, think about that. We've got to learn to lead ourselves. We need to be mature believers in Christ. Do you consider yourself a mature believer in Christ? If you are, then you need to be someone who is able to take the word of God, find the comfort from the Lord, and begin to comfort those around you that need comfort. Because if we don't, not anybody's going to be comforted. And especially in the way that God wants us to be like we just read. Because one of the things that I find from this passage is that our comfort is not intended to be a dead-end street. It's not, okay, I'm comforted now, I'm good. Remember what the passage says? It has a big so that. I slowed down when I read it. I want you to pay attention. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that. Here's the purpose. Here's the purpose of God's comfort of you and me. So that, what's followed by the so that? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. How? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When God comforts our hearts, we learn about his comfort. We've, 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 we've experienced the divine God working in our hearts through his comfort. And then I know then how to comfort you. I found that before my mom and dad passed away, I had a lot to learn in terms of helping other people cope with the loss of a parent. After my mom and dad passed away and I experienced the comfort of God, I was better able and better equipped. Not that I wanted to be, but I was. Because I'd experienced God's comfort in those moments. And so when I talked to somebody, they knew I knew what they were going through. And they wanted to listen to what I had to say. And, and I felt like I had something to say that was significant because I had gone through that and experienced the comfort of God. And so then I was able to comfort them with, which, with the comfort with which God had comforted me. I was just thinking about my sister who lost her husband. That was something I haven't experienced and don't want to. But I came alongside, even though I didn't understand completely what she was going through. And, and did my best to bring the comfort of God into her life. 
because that's what you do with comfort. It's not something that's just for you. It's not something that's just selfish. And it's so much I've been listening to the, on the news and listening to different people who, who are talking about, in fact, I, I heard of a teacher who, uh, or um, I think it was a teacher who wasn't able to go in the classroom. They said, what do you miss about not going? And she said, well, I miss the, the notes that the kids write me and the, and the, and the, and the different things, the, the, the way that they talk to me when they're with me. And it was like, I realized everything that she was saying was neat, but it was all self-directed. And I thought, wow, do I do that? Do we do that? That we're drawing all the attention to ourselves, that we're just thinking through this pandemic, what I'm going through? Or are we thinking about what is God going through? What does God want me to do? What does God want to happen here? In fact, I was thinking about that this very week because our staff was feeling bad that they weren't going to be able to be here and and, and, and my, my only thought was, okay, God's got something special here. He's not wasting this moment. And he wants to do something here. We need to focus on what he wants, not on how we're feeling about it all. And then we need to go with it. We need to go with whatever it is that God's going to do. God is the God of all comfort. Any comfort you experience in this life is ultimately from God. He is the source. We think about the God is love kind of thing. Well, God is comfort. That's what we see in the passage. God is comfort. And we saw in the passage before, Jesus is comfort. The Holy Spirit is comfort. Here, God the Father is comfort who lifts our spirits when we're down. And he doesn't have to. He's not obligated to. He chooses to. He wants to. I mean, think about the love of God that not only gave us Jesus, and he talks about that here in the beginning. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, Jesus Christ, God of all comfort, parakaleo, which reminds us of the Spirit, the Trinity's here in this passage. And we see that also the Trinity in, uh, in, a passage, in a verse that we're not going to look at, but it is on verse 21 in the same chapter. And it, it is God who establishes you. God for, and it, it goes back, amen to God for his glory, 21. And it is God who establishes you in Christ and he has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It's like, it's the Trinity working together in our hearts to bring parakaleo, to bring comfort to us, to lift up our spirits, to get us focused on him, to give us hope. Because what you'll find is, is when we don't have hope and when we're focused inwardly on ourselves, we find ourselves discouraged and struggling. But when we begin to think outwardly and we begin to think of others' comfort and I think of your comfort and you think of my comfort, there's great and rich fellowship. There's great and rich ministry that goes on. Who comforts us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God wants us to experience his comfort. In fact, as I was looking at that, I, th I was thinking, you know, one of the things, what holds us back from experiencing God's comfort? What holds us back? We refuse to be comforted. 
Have you ever refused to become comforted? In fact, I was looking at Psalm 77.2. Oh, I have that one on one of my verses here. Let's see if I can get it to come up. Because it's, it's gray. Yeah, there it is. On my little screen, it's just gray. It doesn't even show a verse. So it shows up. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to what? To be comforted. My soul, I mean, what an honest admission, but my soul refuses to be comforted. I was thinking of, of uh, when I first thought of this idea of the passage where uh, out of Jeremiah that's quoted in Matthew, whenever Herod comes and kills all the children, and remember that, and it says, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, which is, uh, she's, she was buried in Bethlehem. So it's Bethlehem weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Refuse to be comforted. So if I'm going to be comforted by God, I've got to choose to allow him to comfort me. Otherwise, I'm pushing it away. And that's to my own destruction. I have a really, I have a good friend that um, lost a daughter. And um, he refused to be comforted. It's been a number of years now. And he's losing his marriage. He's losing his health because of alcohol. Because he just can't accept what's happened. He's refused to be comforted. People have tried to come along and comfort him and help him through it. And he pushes them away. He refuses to be comforted. And I can understand it. But it's destructive. What happens is we get stuck in grief. We get stuck at that point of grief. And anger is one significant part of grief. Anger turned inward toward yourself. Anger turned outward toward everybody else. A person that, that, that has that and gets stuck at that stage of anger ends up in depression. Because 100% of depression, according to Minerth and Meyer, was due to pent-up anger. Show me somebody who's depressed and I'll show you somebody who's angry. Now, Minister Meyer did say, we may be overstating the case, but not by much. So anger can lead us to push away those around us that God has brought to bring comfort into our lives because we refuse to be comforted and it destroys us. If we're going to be comforted by God, We've got to open our hearts, as painful as it may be, and allow God to bring that comfort through the people of God, through different means that he brings that comfort to us. In um, Philemon, I can find it here. Paul, uh, Philemon, uh, it says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Receive joy and comfort through love. So it's through our love, our compassion for someone else that we reach out to them, that we can refresh their hearts and their hearts can be lifted up. Their hearts can be brought up, can be made hopeful. 
And so we need to choose to allow God to bring his comfort to us. We need to understand that comfort is, means that we get involved in somebody else's life. And it doesn't mean that we just are able to hug someone. I know that one of the struggles that many of us have during this time is that we haven't been able to be around those people who need comfort. Can't go to a nursing home, right? And if you have a loved one in a nursing home, you want to bring comfort to them. You want to hug them. You want to let them know that you're caring. Instead, you've got a piece of glass between you and them at best. And you're talking on your phone and you're looking at them. And you can't bring the comfort. You can't be there for them. Well, people in the hospital, family can't even be there. I can't go and, and, and I'm used to going to the hospital a lot. And, and I can't go to the hospital and see people that are, that are there. Because of social distancing, we, we hesitate to hug someone else. And we, so we struggle with this idea of comfort. Well, comfort can be more than that. It can be our words, it can be our texts, it can be our prayers. And in fact, we see that at the, the end of this passage in verse 11. It says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Your prayers are important to those around you. And you, instead of just praying for them, you need to let them know that you're praying for them. And say, you know what, I thought of you today. Just send them a short text. I thought of you today and I'm praying for you. Uh, do you have anything else, uh, anything specifically you want me to pray for? Reach out. Because you can be the comfort that somebody else needs. We find comfort from God's word. It's one of the ways that God comforts us. And in fact, this very passage, being God's word, is one way that God is using to comfort our hearts because we read about comfort. We read about him caring enough to want to comfort us and lift us up because he knows that we're going to face sufferings. In Psalm 119, Long psalm, but one of my favorites, has so many great and rich verses. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Your promises, the promises of God. In fact, I was, he talks about his promises in the very next section in verses 15 and following. And he's talking about he wanted to come visit them. And, and he said, I, I didn't come visit you because my last visit in chapter 2, you'll see, was a painful visit. I had to get on to you. Because in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, he, he has Chloe's people that, uh, that come to him. And they, they give him a bad report about the church. And then they bring a list of things. And you see the whole structure from chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians on saying now concerning this and now concerning that and now and he must have had a list. I really wish Paul would have kept the list that they wrote him so we know what questions he's answering, but we have to figure out the question on the list from the, uh, from the answer that he gives. But then in 2 Corinthians, he had to be so hard on them and then he had a painful visit apparently after that. He says he, he wants to reassure them of his love here in 2 Corinthians. And so he begins to reassure them. And, and so that's why you see him saying, I wasn't vacillating, saying I was going to come see you or not come see you. I just didn't want to bring another painful visit. He said, 
and he, and he uses this idea of yes and no. And, and, and he says, As surely God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. That's verse 18. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. It is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Because of the promises of God. And I started thinking about what are some of the promises of God in regard to uh, uh, that, that we cling to, that we look to. Do you have a list of promises that you go to for his comfort? If you don't, I'd encourage you to make that list. Put it on your phone. Use your notepad if you need to. Whatever means that you have, start putting a list together of comfort verses that comfort your heart. Ones that you're reading along, you go, wow, this is a really comforting verse. Write it down. Cut and paste it, whatever you need to do. John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. What are, uh, I, I go to prepare a place for you. Or Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn. Where's the promise? For they shall be comforted. God wants to comfort us. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I mean, some great passages of comfort that bring comfort to our hearts. And the question is, are we going to allow God to comfort us? Are we going to allow him to work in us and to change us and to transform us and to, 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 for us to be in the midst of a world that's, that's discouraged, depressed, struggling with mental health issues, that we come in as a light and a, bright, a brightness in a room that when people see us, they see joy in our hearts. They see hope in our hearts. They see compassion for them. And, and they go, wow, I want that. Because I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling depressed or discouraged or frustrated or whatever it is. And it's like, I don't want to feel those things. I want to focus on the Lord. I want to allow him to comfort my heart. And then I want to go forth from here hopeful Preaching a message of hope. The gospel is a message of hope. We should be the most hopeful people on the planet. Amen? Because of Jesus Christ. And that's it's interesting. I think that this is really key, what I just said, to this next statement. He says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. And I think, wait a minute, What? We share abundantly in Christ. I don't want to share abundantly. How about, you know, kind of marginally? Abundantly in Christ's sufferings? Well, you can understand why Paul said that. Because in 1 Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, he gives a list of all the things that he suffered. Greater labors, far more imprisonments. This is 11, uh, 23. 
with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day uh, I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from river, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. And you go, wow, yeah, he experienced the sufferings of Christ. But he doesn't say, for as a few of us experience or share abundantly, he says, for as we, including us. So how do I share abundantly in Christ's sufferings? When I take up my cross daily and follow him. When I take up my cross daily and follow him. You see... I share in Christ. I can, I can just go through suffering and not be sharing in Christ's sufferings by, by just making it all about me, right? And I just focus on me and I just focus on what I'm doing and I just focus on, on, on getting past it and toughing it out or whatever. And I've gained nothing. I haven't shared the sufferings of Christ. I've just suffered. I share the sufferings of Christ when I walk with the Lord and I walk in faith and I trust him, and I allow him to comfort me, and I uh, use that comfort to minister to you in the midst of my suffering. Then I'm sharing the sufferings of Christ because I'm trying to live a godly life, a life of faith in the midst of suffering. Because the, everything's pushing me away from that. Everything's pushing me to get just angry at Jesus, to get angry at God because I'm going through suffering. Instead of saying, saying, Lord, I know you're doing this for my good. You have something for me. You have something that you want me to grow through. You have something that you want me to become different in. You have somebody that you want me to impact for you. And when we do that, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. Because we didn't have to live that way. And yet as a believer in Christ, we do, do have to live that way. We need to live that way. If Christ is going to be formed in me, I need to be thinking about what everybody else is going through in the midst of suffering, not what I'm going through. I need to reach beyond. And I need to trust the Lord to help me through mine. But what you'll find is, is when you need comfort, if you reach out to somebody else who needs comfort, you're going to be comforted. You're going to experience something that you've never experienced before because you're going to be touching a life that God wants you to touch and you're going to be blessed because of it. And so when you least feel like comforting someone else is the time you most need to comfort somebody else. The most, you most need to reach out to somebody who's hurting and God will use that to heal you. He'll use that to comfort you. That one phrase in verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken. And on verse 10, he delivered us from such deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope. So we set our hope on him. I don't set my hope on the fact that I'm going to get through suffering. I might not get through it. 
I might not be delivered. And if so, I'll be like the guys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they said, whether he does or not, they said, our God will deliver us. Whether he does or not, we will not bow down to your images or worship the golden image which you've set up. Whether he does or not, regardless of the consequences, my hope is set on him. Regardless of whether I, I get through suffering or not, my hope is set on him. And I'm going to get through this, either here on this planet or in his presence which is better by far, Paul tells us. So when I think about this issue of comfort, it's a passion. It's a responsibility. It's an obligation. It's the proper response to someone who has gone, been comforted by God that we comfort, that we don't just hold it in and go, man, that was great. I'm so glad I'm comforted. Okay, I'm good. No, that's just the beginning. Now, Go and comfort others because you've experienced his comfort. It means that we have to spend time. If, if comfort comes from God's word, from his promises, for the promises of God find their yes in him, and then I set my hope on him, I'm beginning the process of learning how to, if I can use this term, self-comfort, because it's really not self-comfort, it's really God comforting me. But I think about what we do with our kids when they're little. And we want them to learn to self-pacify, right? That they've got to learn to pacify themselves. They've got to learn to, to, to figure out a way to get themselves to sleep. And so we let them cry a little longer or whatever because we know they've got to learn to self-console. It can't always be consoled by the parent. Or else they're going to always depend on you for their being consoled. You know, we're the same way. We've got to learn to set our hope on God, not waiting for somebody else to do that for us. On him we've set our hope. The promises of God find their yes in him. So I'm, I'm camping on the promises of God because I know God's word brings comfort to my life. I know that God uses people as well, as we saw from Philemon, that, that our comfort comes from those that God has placed around us. And if you're somebody around somebody that needs hope, what do you, where do you want to take them? Help them to set their hope on God. Help them to understand the promises of God. So share God's word with them. Don't just tell them it's going to be all right. Don't just give them a hug. Give them the, the word of God. That is more powerful than anything you can ever say. And you'll find that later that that verse is on their Facebook post or, or their Instagram post or that uh, on their refrigerator or they may even buy it a plaque and stick it on the wall because somebody else did it. I mean, you'll find that the word of God is so incredibly comforting because it's given by the one whose promises never fail. We have the God of all comfort. It's who he is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God of all comfort, para kaleo, the one who lifts our spirit, who lifts our head. He's the one who lifts our head, as the psalmist talks about. And he does it so that we can then begin to have this trickle-down effect and we can pay it forward and we can get involved in somebody else's life and we can bring comfort to them, which also blesses us. 
Even though that's not the reason to do it, it blesses us. We have to start by saying, God, I, I want your comfort. And I'm struggling because I really don't want it, but I, I want your comfort. Help me to get to the point where I receive your comfort because I know it's there. I know you want me to be comforted. And I know you want me to be, make a difference in our world because our world needs comfort right now more than ever. It's one of the biggest evangelistic tools and opportunities that we have is to go and begin to comfort someone else. And that's not just with a hug and with a verse and with, it may be action. Because what I've also found is someone who's been waiting a long time for something to happen, a change to come about, whether it be in a marriage or whether it be in a society or wherever it is. They want to see that action come about. They want to see that change in your life or the change in a culture that needs to happen. We, of all people, have reason to hope. We have all the promises of God. Let us be those whom God uses to comfort a society and a culture that desperately needs him, even though they don't understand that they do. Because when they see what is in your life and the hope and the, the, the bright eyes and the cheerful heart that they know has to come from some source other than what's going on around here, they're going to be interested in hearing what you believe and why you're there. And your answer is Jesus Christ. You have the perfect opportunity to share your faith because the world is looking for answers. We have them. Let's give those answers. Let's help them to see and fall in love with Jesus because we love them. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you're a God of all comfort and that you want to comfort us. And you want us to experience your comfort. And you want us to understand that the ultimate comfort comes in Jesus. The ultimate comfort comes in the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the grave so that we don't have to fear death. That we don't have to fear life and the toughness and the sufferings of life. And in fact, not only do we not fear it, we embrace it as opportunity. And Lord, we don't look forward to suffering, but we certainly know that you're not wasting this time. This is not just something we tough out and can't wait for it to be over. This is opportunity, and Lord, may we take advantage of this opportunity to be used by you to bring comfort, to lift up the hearts and heads and minds of people around us. People need that. They're longing for that deep in their hearts. 
Lord, help us to learn how to apply your comfort to our own hearts. Help us, Lord, to not resist. If there's someone here that's resisting your comfort, Lord, I pray that you would break through that hard exterior. That you would break through the pain and that you would touch their heart and that you would bring healing and hope and Lord, I pray that they would be someone who is not only healed, but begins to be a source for you of healing of those around them. Lord, we come to you. We need you. We need your, your strengthening hand in our lives. Give us eyes to see hope. Give us eyes to see as you see Give us eyes to, to, that reach us beyond ourselves. Because that's the definition of that word, parakaleo. One who lifts up another's head, lifts up another's spirits. That's what you want us to be, those who lift up another's, not just our own, but someone else's. Lord, help us with that. Help us not to just focus on us. Help us to focus on others and their need for you. Lord, I pray that you would guide us, lead us in this. We need your help. We need your strengthening care to do this. And so we ask for it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.